Flexmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mode enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques here on RxMuscle.com, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I am joined tonight by none other than, than the infamous, the RX, the quantum physiques on call medical doctor, Dr. Dana Hauser, who has been a long time absent from this, uh, from this show, actually. Dana, welcome to Quantum Physiques. Uh, thanks for getting me back, Brian. It's been a long time, buddy. I think uh, a few things have happened here. Number one, um, you are now a father. Is that correct? So I want to make sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> We still got uh, we still got two more months on that one. So oh, no kidding. Okay. Oh my God. Two more months. Congratulating you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 futuristic here, but uh, you know, a couple okay. couple couple months yet still. Okay, but you will be a father soon then, so I'm not that far off. <laughs> no, you're not that far off. You're not that in far In the timeless off. <laughs> dimension where everything's happening in the internal now, you know what? You are a father already in some other universe. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually, Dana, because I was just thinking about you. I got the um, Scientific American uh, magazine has a new issue, a collector's item, on uh, his brain and her brain. I got some good news and some bad news for you, buddy. It seems like when you become a father, your brain changes pretty um, pretty uh, incredibly. Uh, you, I, Well, of course, you probably know that testosterone levels lower in general for fathers um, as they develop the uh, the mommy brain, I guess, right? But get this, actually. Um, fathers, at least in mammalian models, actually become better foragers than their uh, bachelor counterparts. So if you ever got to get out foraging, buddy, you actually be a better forager. And your brain rewires and becomes more sensitive to oxytocin and vasopressin, which of course, as you know, are the mommy chemicals. So I want to congratulate you and welcome you to mommydom and ask you how that feels. The, the idea is that you're going to have lower testosterone and more mommy-centered uh, feelings. <laughs> well, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of things that would come to mind in that, you know, in that you know, sense. But, uh, but yeah. Um, My biceps know, are shrinking. Will- Go, go, I'm sorry. What's that? Yeah, my biceps are shrinking. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, well, you know, you couple that with the lack of sleep and everything else that's probably, you know, forthright as well during, uh, you know, having an, an actual neonate and infant around the house. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's there's probably a lot of things that contribute to that, you know, even more so than just suggestion of, you know, what potential rewiring, you know, Goes goes you know awry or or what have you. I don't know if we want to call that the abnorm. Um, yeah, actually sounds probably more like the norm. But uh, as far as exactly what what males experience in that particular setting, but but again, you know, there's a huge association lack of sleep. You know, that would certainly be something that uh, would potentially go into at least the side of the lower testosterone and everything that that breeds with it. But uh, but yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I don't read that particular magazine. But hey, you know, I'm sure the article was uh, slightly enticing. Who was the author? Do you know? 
Well, there's a bunch of them actually in here. I'll have to dig it up, and uh, I can post it on the uh, on the thread on the forum. But uh, there's like oh, cool. ten different articles from kissing to uh, the brains, how they're wired for uh, for laughter, how guys joke versus women. Joke. It's really interesting. I I'm not everyone. sure. I'm not sure testosterone doesn't lower by reading that stuff, right? Yeah, I know, right? I was just <laughs> asking someone recently, do I look fat in, 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 this, in these jeans? So maybe you're right, actually. You know, but uh, no, it's pretty interesting, actually. As you know, obviously, that these are good examples of epigenetic mechanisms kicking in that the environment actually can shift what happens to us and and how you know and how we process things and so uh you know fatherhood oh, sure. definitely will be doing some things that as you know traces back to our lineage going back millions of years it's kind of a cool thing actually you know in a lot of ways so i do congratulate you on the on the on the journey buddy oh thank you but you know, speaking of um being tired and getting no sleep, I know that you just drove back from Florida um, and had to deal with the case of uh, of gym orexia, where like you got back uh, at, like three in the morning and you got up at five to go to the gym, and to me that's insane. But I'm sure in your model of reality that that's okay. <laughs> I hate to call you out on this, of course, but here we are live on the air, and it's just like uh, you know, a lot of guys, I'm sure, a lot of women, people that are fitness buffs can relate to that obsession with having to make sure we don't miss too many workouts, you know. And it is a little bit of an obsession, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, as we were we were talking about here before we went on, um, you know, the the ISSM conference was in Florida, and we kind of made a last minute decision to to head down. So, uh, 16 hours in the car going from Ohio to Florida uh, certainly. <laughs> Certainly had some some toll, but the problem is it also had, you know, taken some toll on the way uh, on the way down. So I actually missed a workout, um, and I think my penance was that I had to after, you know, missing a uh, the you know the potential of coming back and missing a secondary one. That that probably wouldn't have worked out so hot for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I had to had to get back in the gym, honestly. Yeah. Well, you got a busy schedule. I mean, you know, obviously every time I talk to you and you do email me, which is rare and infrequent, you're always talking about how jammed up you are. And so, uh, you know, you are busy. I mean, you, you see a lot of patients, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably, you know, 30, 40 patients a day. And are the bulk of them like just generic, you know, Americans or do you deal more specifically with people that would be our listening audience or is it a 50-50 combo? Can you describe that? Ooh, um, probably a shift. Um Towards more of what would be our audience, so okay, uh, you know, poor, more people with various metabolic things, though, um, and, and whether or not that includes low levels of testosterone. I mean, you know, join the club, so to speak, as far as you know, Americans. I mean, you know, the grand scheme of you know, ten percent reduction. I think we've spoken of at least in the past, ten percent, you know, percent reduction of testosterone levels from the age of twenty-five onward. You know, per decade. You know, there's not a lot. Uh, uh, a lot to be suggested for for who actually remains in a in a normal uh, testosterone uh, or at least a normal testosterone level. Uh, so yeah, I mean there, there, there's a there's a heavy level of that. Um, you know, uh, various hypogonadal states and things like that that I, that I'll see. Um, you know, outside of various uh, uh, metabolic conditions. Um, cholesterol and, and things like that being a very big one. Um, but again, that ties hand in hand with. Uh, you know, the general population who would have low testosterone. I mean, a uh, steroid molecule by default, cholesterol is, uh, you know, something that you, you, you kind of have to deal with. And I know you and I have kind of talked, uh, or at least maybe brushed up, I think, on previous shows about, uh, the, you know, the cholesterol conundrum and, and, and all of the things that people would, you know, suggest, you know, is it something, you know, that should be treated, is it not? Um, 
you know, what to believe in the essence of, uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies and statin drugs and things like that. But, you know, and there's pluses and minuses. I don't know necessarily that everybody who comes in with a low testosterone would certainly be a, uh, a candidate for, for statin therapy because it does by, by default lower, you know, relative androgen precursor. And as a result, you're going to get, you know, lower levels of testosterone, perhaps, you know, exacerbating situations that already, uh, that already exist. But that, you know, that's kind of a, above and beyond the case. We know that there is a lower level uh, of cardiovascular uh, sequelae um, for those that do uh, do embark on some level of statin therapy. The question always, I think, more so uh, that comes to mind, more so that comes to mind whether or not there is any issue with, um, you know, you know, if, if the lowering is the result of what's giving us the benefit in the cardiovascular aspect or if it's just, you know, kind of stabilizing plaques or, um, you know, kind of actually experiencing some level of uh, anti-inflammatory uh, 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 action or something along those lines. Um, you know, probably something highlighted in uh, sort of a recent trial that they actually had uh, uh, comparative analysis between, you know, someone on baseline statin therapy and they added on uh, a drug known as Zetia and a drug, you know, the drug Niaspan. So, you know, we've obviously talked about niacin in the past. Sure. I know there's been some some Facebook talks about niacin, um, but you know in those particular settings, the Zetia group actually had further lowering of the LDL to bad cholesterol, um, you know, and in that setting, uh, did not see at least some of the arbitrary markers uh, uh, show. They didn't show any kind of further risk reduction. So you'd think if LDL, bad cholesterol, was the you know the essential bad guy, and what we essentially have pegged all these years as the as the particular thing that you have to lower at all costs and, you know, the primary target of statin therapy, if that were the case and that, you know, just kind of constant lowering of this number was, you know, what was the, the designation that would, you know, lead to all, all things that are good, uh, at least from a cardiovascular standpoint, then they would have said, seen better results there because the niacin group actually had less lowering of the LDL levels, um, more elevation of the HDL, the good cholesterol, something that's not often talked about, and that's unfortunate that it's the case uh, because there aren't, there aren't enough, you know, things that would actually target that directly, but, but niacin kind of has that as its primary focus, and, and you actually see better, uh, at least surrogate markers of cardiovascular disease. They use the uh, carotid uh, intima media thickness. They actually use the sort of scans of the neck uh, and, and, and how those particular levels of plaque progression uh, you know, from a, at least from a cerebrovascular uh, standpoint, um, you know, saw benefit. So. Quantum physics, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. 
you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics. Real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today. And not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. So are you from Australia, paying far too much for supplements with the inflating weigh-in amino prices? Why not check out the all-new RX Muscle Australia for the latest Australian and worldwide content and coverage. While you're there, check out Bulk Nutrient Supplement Store, the official supplement store for RX Muscle Australia. You can visit Bulk Nutrients at BulkNutrients.com.au, your one-stop shop, and also check out the all-new rxmuscle.com.au rx muscle australia the truth in australian bodybuilding rxmuscle.com now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding diet and exercise up to the minute news and more visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity q a's with ifbb professional athletes top amateurs and the brightest minds in the industry listen to our weekly radio shows including heavy muscle radio muscle girls inc after hours and more contest coverage videos even our own social networking site rx muscle place visit rxmuscle.com I mean, I do want to get back into a discussion about hormones, but I want to ask you how the conference went. I mean, the, the ISSN conference had some pretty interesting, you know, my friend Rick Collins was there. Um, I think Doug Kalman is one of the uh, hosts of the ISSN, and I'm just kind of wondering how was the conference overall? Anything exciting or new or different that caused your... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the conference is, is you know, it, usually there's good talks. I think there was one year we had kind of a lull. Um, uh, as far as as far as what the talks were, um, but but yeah, for the most part, um, very enjoyable conference. Um, 
the atmosphere is always pretty good there. I mean, obviously, everything we talk about, I think if anyone salivates over the, the discussion topics that we, you know, we have uh, and so forth, as I, I would anticipate much of your listening audience would, uh, I mean, everything from start to finish would probably have everyone, you know, exceedingly delighted, so to speak, to, to, to you know, obviously be in attendance and hear constant discussion of, you know, whether that be the, uh, uh, the dietary supplement world or alternatively there were some discussions, uh, Jim Stepani, you know, the... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if he's still the editor in chief. I'm not sure w- what role he has currently with uh, uh, the leader, uh, uh, muscle and fitness, and so forth. But you know, he writes a lot of the articles and things like that. There, he was just a senior uh, science author or editor or something uh, along those lines, um, or some role with that particular thing. And I know he was going over a lot of his. Uh, uh, you know, programs and things like that. So it didn't just sort of touch on sports nutrition and, uh, you know, macronutrient and otherwise, um, but it also, you know, there was there was uh, some good discussion points on, uh, you know, testosterone therapy. Uh, testosterone therapy, even in uh, uh, intensive care unit patients, burn victims, things like that, and its role in recovery, um, which was actually very, very interesting to hear. Uh, pretty good keynote uh, discussion on that. Um, you know, I mean, they have, you know, lots of roundtable discussions, you know, uh, usually with uh, selected experts to talk about various things or questions of the audience. So, I mean, that's always a uh, interesting uh, discussion point to hear that, you know, there isn't always a, a single straight answer to, <laughs> to certain things. People do uh, kind of arrive at uh, the same end point, um, you know, going uh, a different path, so to speak. Um, and yeah, so I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that uh, uh, that came out of the talk. They usually do a joint uh, National Strength and Conditioning Association discussion. Um, so you always have talks from uh, uh, people from the other organization, the NSCA, that actually do some discussions on uh, uh, exercise and, and and things like that. So yeah, I think everybody would would probably go crazy with such a conference. So. <laughs> No, that's great. Yeah, definitely. If you have anything uh, to post on Facebook, by all means do, and I will share it on the Quantum Physiques uh, page on Facebook, of course. I'd lo- love to hear some more stuff on that. Um, sure. But yeah, definitely wanted to get back into the whole idea of, um, well, number one, uh, you know, Professor Andrew was on last week, had a lot of interesting, uh, I guess, things to share. He's uh, His name is Adele, and he's a professor of physics out in Germany, but he posts out on Facebook quite a bit, and uh, he had some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, you know, the one thing that really caught me was the idea that this one study on uh, on testosterone where I guess subjects were told they were given testosterone. Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact details, but the just is, and they all had a significant increase in strength after two weeks or something like that. Half the group was told that they weren't being given testosterone, um, and the other half was told that they were still being given. And then, of course, they had a corresponding uh, decrease in strength and and and, a, and an increase in strength in the group that still thought they were being given testosterone. The whole idea was that um, you know what you believe again a placebo effect that what you believe sure. can really profoundly affect. Um, you know, your results in life, obviously, you know, and testosterone, of course, everyone thinks of it as the, the number one muscle builder, but it seems like people are getting results in the gym like that without that um, points that it isn't the only anabolic agent for people to get results, obviously. Oh, sure. No, insulin is, is by far <laughs> infinitely more anabolic than testosterone itself. So, I mean, there are certainly... Um Certainly, things that you have to kind of modify uh, to make sure that your results are kind of uh, uh, at the max of what they could be. Again, you know, you're not going to suggest someone who's you know 120 pounds is all of a sudden going to go to 225 at you know 
six percent body fat or something along those lines. But but whatever the max potential is for you know someone's uh, you know own genetics, um, you know in order to maximize said potential, you know the idea would certainly be uh, through through sort of modifying the you know the whole lot of hormones. Um, and again, the most anabolic of which being truly insulin. So uh, if you can stimulate that at certain times and, you know, a lot of nutrient timing discussion comes up at that point and things like that, people would be probably, I think, amazed at what, you know, what you could truly do through uh, soul, uh, uh, solid training programs, you know, as, uh, as defined, um, you know, by, by, by true quality design, you know, and, and couple that with uh, solid nutrition strategies and, and lifestyle you know, factors, uh, even more so than, than, you know, various drugs and things like that. Obviously, drugs will have an effect, but uh, I think most people would be very surprised you know, how they can maximize their own potential, and there's certainly a, a long way to go with a lot of people, so. Yeah, I mean, basically just clean living, I guess you're saying, you know, obviously getting proper sleep. You know, the ba- everyone knows the basics, but as you know, it's just so hard in this modern lifestyle of ours to really, uh, you know, to keep ourselves grounded and, and doing the basics, obviously. It just seems like well, it is a well, challenge. Yeah, I think I think we just started the, the discussion with me having a, a two-hour set of sleep. You know, I don't think yeah, that, exactly. I don't think that I'm necessarily the best person to discuss about all the lifestyle factors. I know exactly what's right just as much as the next guy. But, you know, again, it's not, it's not always... Um, um, you know, possibility, so to speak. Uh, my choice this morning was, uh, you know, gym versus versus sleep in that effect. Um, you know, and, and sometimes you've got to have the trade-off. The question would be, you know, could you have a net positive over time, uh, you know, doing more of those positives than, than negatives and seeing what net effect you can get at the end of the day. The uh, reason I say that is, again, you know, it's not that I'm missing sleep nightly, but, you know, in a certain instance, you know, my decision obviously was uh, get to the gym, uh, ultimately exacerbating the, the, the sleep depra- you know, deprivation that would have been there anyway because, you know, the extra uh, hour, hour and a half or whatever, you know, to compensate for the gym time really, um, I don't know that it would have produced <laughs> crazy results as, as the alternative. So, um, you know, making those, those decisions and, you know, generally I just feel better, I think, you know, working out... Uh, Psychologically, of course, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I actually, you bring up a good point, though, because, uh, you know, a long time ago, my brother took a friend, a hiking, who was uh, overweight, unhealthy. They warned him, to, warned him to be careful and go slow, but he had a massive heart attack, and the guy died, actually, when they took him hiking. I've had more than a couple of friends, Dana, in the gym that were going through, one of them was in medical school, going through a really stressful time. Another one was just working a lot of hours and stuff, and they both had uh, incurred injuries at those, you know, at the precipice of those stressful times, and I'm kind of wondering if, like, you tweak the machine a little too much and you push a little too hard, you know, the one, that one morning when testosterone is down, cortisol is up, or, or maybe not so much literally as I'm saying there, but something's happening where the microtrauma or the fibers in the, in the fascia or the tendons or whatever don't hold up the way they normally do, um, and, and a pre-existing condition that maybe normally you'd heal becomes a tear or an injury. Um, do you think there's any logic to the fact that, you know, I understand the psychological benefits, it does feel good, but is there a point where you got to say, wow, you know what, maybe I got to pull back. Maybe the, you know, training right now or going heavy at five in the morning after driving, you know, 16 hours <laughs> and getting two hours sleep. Is there is there an intuition there or an art to the whole thing? Or, or do you well, get what I'm I saying? Mean, I- I think I think first the, the the construct of overtraining. This was actually something we talked about at the meeting, actually. But you know, overtraining is is, is you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, overrated. 
Um, <laughs> you know, the body has a great uh, adaptive potential. Uh, and so the, the certain stresses and so forth that you that you sort of engage upon are, are you know your body will adapt. The only problem is um, whether or not there's something that we're not privy to. In other words, let's say you have uh, some underlying uh, subsidiary of, of of hormones that are completely out of whack. Uh, you know where you you're, you're just you're just not uh, aware of said uh, disturbance. You know, usually I have patients, uh, uh, and this is this is anyone healthy, otherwise, um, uh, young male, young women, doesn't matter, uh, come in for for baseline hormone testing somewhere between the ages of 20 and 25, um, really to kind of beat out, you know, what normal might be for you versus the 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 lot of everyone. So now let's say someone goes, uh, as most people do. Uh, without suggested lab work or, uh, you know, some kind of knowledge of what might be going on biochemically as opposed to, you know, what's going on, at least phenotypically, what's going on as sort of your outward presentation. Yeah, I feel healthy, but biochemically, does my does my biochemical uh, setup, makeup, so forth, agree with what, you know, what is on the outside? And there are people that, you know, will go pretty consistent, and, you know, the first signs of cardiovascular disease are, sudden death. And so <laughs> at the end of the day, the question becomes, you know, what is your, what is your remedy to that? You know, and, and myself, I, I even go to a physician four times a year as a physician. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of to, to, to truly espouse a lot of that thing, you know, a, a lot of that practice, that mindset and so forth. You know, I could never suggest it to a patient if I myself didn't embark upon that kind of, uh, uh, that kind of regimen. Um, sure. There's a lot of cortisol modifying strategies and things like that that exist. You know, one would potentially suggest that that those have a lot of utility in the setting of someone that says, you know, let's say has to work out in the morning, like you had mentioned. You know, if the the cortisol levels are high, testosterone's low, uh, and that certainly is the, the the highest time frame of cortisol. You know, it is the most frightening thing for your body to wake up in the morning, for you to open your eyes. That is about the most shocking, uh, earth shattering event of the day of the 24 hour period. And as such, your cortisol levels, you know, they'll rise in response to that. They'll rise in response to light. Um, you know, the world is scary. So in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, that, that correspondence of, of cortisol being the highest, there are ways to essentially help modulate that, not necessarily uh, uh, abolish that because you want that. From a body composition standpoint, it's important to have those periods where you do have high levels of cortisol, um, especially, you know, when we're talking about fat loss and things like that. I mean, the body really needs to, needs to sort of balance anabolic and catabolic time frames. It's not about abolishing either of the two, but it's about balancing the two. And as such, you know, the best way to really, really understand what your body is doing is, you know, in what way you can essentially maximize it, you know, in my opinion, is, is truly understanding the biochemistry to yourself. You know, I'd have people walk around, again, don't have to be a diabetic, but I have people walk around and understand how they respond to food, right down to the level that I'll have them, you know, take glucometer readings and, and see how their body responds to particular foods, their own individual body, not what some glycemic index might tell people. We're so fixated on these things, uh, these arbitrary designs, these arbitrary numbers and so forth. Um, you know, and, and, and people, you'll hear them constantly talk about, you know, glycemic index, glycemic load, all these concepts. And then, you know, years later, lo and behold, those particular things that we spoke as gospel, you know, most people are kind of like, eh, 
here's the next big thing. Yeah. Well, it, it's not. The next big thing, you know, is you being involved in you, you know, you being involved as, as your, you know, prime understanding. I have a lot of patients that will come in and they'll sit there and they'll tell me, you know, flat out, you know, I know my body. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, <laughs> let's put you to the test on that particular suggestion and, and we'll see how well you know your body. Uh, you know, as, as, you know, in, as my response to that, and, and you know, just as a suggestion of that, you know, it's 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 really, really making people really aware, um, you know, as to, to as to how their biochemistry essentially gels with what what they're living daily, you know, what their outward outward life and experiences are, um, and 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 even understanding something like that. Now, there are a lot of compounds that we can take, you know, as far as say cortisol modulation. You know, phosphatidylserine is always a big one that comes into discussion for for that. Uh, that, that, that particular offering and, and something that, you know, provided people don't go broke doing it, can essentially, you know, at least kind of attenuate those, those higher cortisol levels. Now, do you always want to? No, it's probably goal-specific. I mean, there are points in time where you're going to seriously want high levels of cortisol, and we've spoken about that in the past on the show, and, you know, in the, in the times of fat loss or the times where that's your primary goal, you know, fat loss is catabolic. You're not going to do it if you're stuck in an anabolic state 24 hours a day. It just won't work. Uh, you know, and so, so in that particular setting, you know, it really does come down to a balance. And so that's usually what we talk about is you know, the, the, the periods of controlled catabolism. So those periods where you know, you're already catabolic during the course of a workout. A lot of people might think you're anabolic. You're not. You're not, you're not building things at that point. You're breaking them down. And with purpose, you're doing that you know, with hopeful uh, you know, thoughts that in the aftermath, you know, you're giving your, you're, you're allowing your body the uh, potential for uh, the rebuilding process, the anabolic process, to kind of come in and 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 sort of upend the catabolic process at a time when it's designated to do so. Again, you know, you'll al- always have uh, uh, people that you know they want to they want anabolism at at all costs, and that's fine. But fat gain is anabolic. You know, tissue gain. There's only there's only four tissue types in the body. Sure. You know, tissue gain itself. Is, you know, of any sort, any type, is an anabolic process. It's the breakdown, the catabolic process that you really do need to kind of, you know, embrace and, and, and understand that it's going to be part of your, at least for the physique athlete. That doesn't always necessarily mean that's what you want, you know, all the time for the, for, for the, the non-aesthetic athlete, the athletic, the athlete, the, 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 the physical athlete, the, you know, the, the person who might be out there, uh, you know, running sure. marathons, etc. You know that that that's a little different scenario, but again, it's goal oriented. It's goal oriented to understand what you want and how you're going to get there. And there are certain ways to do that, but I think oftentimes we'll we'll embark on a red mismatch for whatever goal we have in mind. Sure. You know, a couple things I want to hit upon that you brought up, they're pretty interesting. Obviously, in the morning, if you are trying to lose weight um, and you want to do some kind of exercise, you want to maximize cortisol elevation. So you wouldn't want to be taking uh, things like phosphatidylserine or I guess even maybe 7-keto DHEA as an example. Uh, is that correct? You want to take them maybe in the anabolic phase of, of the day, which is like after your weight workout or something. Yeah, and that's an interesting discussion. I don't know as well as that it's been addressed, um, at least to my liking. It's certainly not been uh, addressed from a research perspective uh, to the nth degree. Usually I have people use 7-keto uh, before, uh, you know, uh, probably half hour, 45 minutes before a meal uh, as opposed to uh, before a workout. Um, there's some okay, gotcha. low level of, of increased level of thermogenesis, but honestly, you know, a lot of the, 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 the weight loss aids we have um, 
you know, even the, 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 the quoted thermogenic substances, and this is something we actually talked about at the meeting here, you know, it's not really thermogenesis that's offering you that, that fat loss potential. You know, oftentimes a lot of it's, you know, appetite suppression or some other effect, um, if any at all. Uh, phosphatidylserine and 7-keto, they're actually, they're pretty good agents, actually, the two you selected there. And, and I know that there's some suggestion of uh, anti-cortisol properties for both, but seven keto is kind of unique in that there's a there's a there's a high level of increased uh, uh, thyrotropic um, uh, offering too to that particular agent. So uh, you know its ability to even upregulate and do things with the thyroid uh, have actually been pretty amazing to be honest with you. So um, you know do you want them first thing in the morning? I don't know. Maybe um, it might be something that attenuates cortisol to the level where you're not muscle wasting. And we kind of talked about, I think, in the past, uh, at least in the January shows, uh, about uh, you know when people were really interested in, in fat loss. Obviously, it's kind of the, the big discussion point at the first, you know, first sure. of the year. But but we had actually mentioned some stuff about you know even working out on an empty stomach fasted state. You know, what better way to go more catabolic than that? But the question is, is more catabolic better, or is an attenuated version of catabolism? okay in that setting. And it actually appears that, that people who do the fasted state cardio, like I said, I don't, I don't think are the most metabolically optimized, at least in that particular setting. I don't think that that's the best route because, again, at that point, now you're also attenuating the ability for muscle tissue as the most metabolic tissue in, you know, in your body. You're, you're also attenuating its uh, potential to burn calories and, and so forth. Uh, you know, over over the 24-hour period. So, um, you know, it really hasn't panned out as easily um, to suggest that. But one would potentially question, you know, is is taking something like a phosphatidylserine, let's say, you know, at, at six to eight hundred milligrams, is that something taken before the workout that would essentially at least stave off or savor, you know, save the need for a say pre-workout? That might be something that's certainly worth discussion. Um, and something that you know somebody could essentially <laughs> potentially put into trial or something along those lines, and, and, and again, those are things that we don't really have answers to, um, you know. But that would be uh, you know one scenario, one suggestion as to whether or not um, there would be true or overt benefit um, to suggesting it. You know, when I have to get up, uh, and, and I used to do this quite consistently, actually. Uh, I used to get up, you know, two hours before I ate all the time, uh, or two hours rather before I worked out, and I used to work out at say five, five thirty, something along those lines. <laughs> oh my God! I get up purposefully two hours before that. Oh, you you wouldn't believe some of the regimens done over the years, but you're nuts. That's crazy. Three thirty in the morning. <laughs> it, it would it would be getting up to physically eat really kind I of. I thought I was stumbling, crazy. <laughs> tumbling down the stairs or something, <laughs> right. uh, you know, throwing back a protein shake, whatever the case was, just something. So I wasn't overtly catabolic by the time I'd actually gone into the gym because the only thing you're going to do is afford yourself more catabol- you know, catabolic, uh, more of a catabolic state over the course of the workout or the duration of the workout. At sure. 45 minutes to an hour, your cortisol is at its max, it's at its peak. You know, sometimes there's guys that are working out for three, four hours, but at the same time or at the end of the day, they're not, you know, catabolizing their muscle to, sh- to, to, to hell, really. You know, it's still they're still getting or gaining some benefit. You know, again, some metabolisms don't necessarily uh, play by the rules, so to speak, and of course the 99% rest of us hate them. But but that said, again, you know, it's really, it, you know, there's a lot, I think, to be suggested. You know, something I'd said before, at least in this discussion, was 
you know, does that mean that there's only one 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 path from point A to point B? And and it's probably not. There's probably one 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 best thing. You know, I usually I usually joke about it. It's like I say, I hate the. Uh, the idea of a quote-unquote straight line because it's relatively redundant. You know, a line can be nothing but straight. The reality is it's defined as the shortest distance between two points. So the grand scheme is there's probably there's probably a straight line. There's probably something that exists that suggests this is the shortest distance, the true shortest distance from point A to point B. And I think that's what everyone strives for. It's like, how can we get there, you know, yesterday? And, and it'd be wonderful to do that. You know, some further level... Uh, of understanding that we can partake, you know, and in, 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 in things that we can do to modify, um, you know, the way we actually progress, you know, as far as our, uh, as far as our physique goals or, or, or even performance goals, whatever, whatever the, you know, the desired state is. Sure, sure. You know, before I switch to another morning um, benefit uh, that I live by, coffee, I just want to ask you in a nutshell, <laughs> because, you know, there is... From reading your stuff on, on your various forums and everything, and then this is science, I'm impressed with PS, phosphatidylserine, and 7-keto, and they become staples in my diet. When's the optimal time to take them? I mean, just, you know, can you give me like a synopsis? I mean, obviously, I'm taking my DHA with meals. Now you're telling me I should take them before meals. Maybe I'm taking it wrong. Um, you know, oftentimes, a lot of things like that, um, you know, there are certain nutrients that, that, that get assistance from... Uh, various macronutrients, so proteins, you know, fat and carbs, essentially whatever you're ingesting for a meal. There are certain things. Uh, vitamin D could be, you know, one discussion point, but oftentimes when we talk about a lot of the micronutrients, they can be discussed that way. Seven keto is kind of a, uh, a different agent, really. Um, its utility is is uh, clearly defined a little bit different. Um, you know, one could suggest too that your your ingesting it beforehand allows. Uh, for adequate absorption before you actually do uh, take, you know, whatever foodstuffs you're going to take in, um, sure. you know, could it certainly allow for better absorption at that point? Um, you know, fat loss things have kind of always been suggested on, on on an empty stomach for the most part. There are very few things that I would probably recommend taking uh, with an actual meal and kind of getting that thermogenic fire burning beforehand. But not just that. What I just mentioned was, you know, that sometimes you know, any fat loss efforts or, or things that it's affording you aren't necessarily a result of thermogenesis, but are more a result of, you know, more appetite suppression. So oftentimes we get some success when we when we instruct people to take them before before the meal. And usually that's why I say 30 to 45 minutes before a meal. I mean, it's just been something that has been more, um, more standard, I think, uh, and, and sort of accepted for a long period of time as, as opposed to science, because I don't know that there is one. I don't know that someone can suggest to me this is the best time to take it. Sure. Um, the phosphatidylserine, uh, you know, again, um, it's not something that's going to abolish, you know, catabolic uh, uh, offering, but it's, it's something that would attenuate it, would essentially lower uh, you know, various catabolic offering. And, and, and the question in that particular setting would be, you know, is some something you know that is the best time for that particular uh, offering, you know, before a workout? And I'd probably suggest it is uh, if you're going to have any benefit at all. Um, but it's a phospholipid, you know, though. Doesn't it require um, fatty digestion? Yeah. Well, everything requires that. I, I suppose at that point you can suggest uh, copious tallies of L-carnitine uh, salts or something along those lines. Um, if that's the case, I mean, you're never going to have every single substrate in, intact. 
Um, and, I, and I certainly don't recommend uh, ingesting copious tallies of fats to uh, uh, to allow for that necessarily, at least all the time. You know, the well, but I, mean, but what I meant was a meal. More specifically, I meant just having it with a meal, though, I guess, right? Wouldn't that help or oh, no? You don't I think mean, so? Perhaps, but again, studies that were done with it were done pre, pre, pre-exercise and whether or not, you know, well, oh, okay. you know, we're talking that there's, and, and, you know, at that point too, you're already talking anti-catabolism by ingesting the food alone. And then the question would kind of, you know, at least the question that was, I'd have to, you know, say would be afforded would be, does ingestion of food get any benefit from, from, from phosphatidylserine and does phosphatidylserine have a role with food versus does phosphatidylserine stave off the need for extra calories or an extra meal? Could you essentially incorporate it at times when you're not physically ingesting foodstuffs? Pre-workout, let's say. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of time where you don't, and this is, that's the reason I had brought up the, the essence that, you know, maybe something like phosphatidylserine actually affords you the opportunity to not get up at 3.30. Okay, me to get up at 3.30 yeah. in the morning. Um, yeah. Most people wouldn't get up at 3.30 in the morning to, to ingest a, a drink or anything, really, um, just so they could go to the gym at 5.30. But um, <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when you're essentially obsessed by the stuff, then uh, of course you do. But uh, you know, yeah. in that particular setting, I think there's a, there's a hell of a lot more benefit uh, than if we're just suggesting, hey, you know, take it. You know, because I think if you take it with food, you're essentially taking it to take it. Uh, I don't think you've you've thought that out, or the design is not well thought out uh, in that particular setting. So, um, I think you know, I think something that 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 we would suggest is, does it afford you the opportunity to ingest less calorie, but still at the same time allow you to essentially be less catabolic or, or, or offer you uh, or stave off some of the muscle breakdown that might be associated with a higher level of uh, catabolic output. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, my idea was like, for example, you have guys that say, um, take, take a bolus uh, of testosterone and they think, oh, I feel stronger in the gym and they took a shot like an hour ago. So the same logic, I've always thought, Dana, that the, it was the downstream effects of cumulative use day in and day out, that, that minor elevation of thyroid, that for example, and not so much the instantaneous benefits that you're referring to, that were the magic behind how these nutrients work. But it seems like you're actually shifting gears from me and saying, no, you can actually get an acute benefit upon ingestion within like an hour or two hours and stuff and get some type of a sea change in your body. And so maybe my way of looking at it is wrong, I guess then. Well, I think, I, no, I think there, is, there is acute and chronic effects to it. Don't get me wrong. I think there is some cumulative effect. You know, the question is, how could you essentially maximize those effects? How yeah. could you maximize both acute and then subsequently chronic? Um, you know, the only the only way to do that is kind of think about it from an acute setting. A lot of people always, you know, they kind of suggest, and 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 oftentimes, what's usually put in that category, you know, when they say, oh, this, you know, acutely, this doesn't do anything. That's usually the growth hormone secretagogue style agents. You know, as to whether or not those particular agents would 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 afford you anything uh, if taken in an acute setting. And again, while they might not be exciting and they might not take you up to you know pharmacotherapeutic levels, um, you know, at the same time, I think the cumulative effect of that would would certainly be um, would be what it is. I mean, it is you know it's something that would essentially be uh, better than not. You know, and again, am I am I a person that you know takes a lot of you know secretagogues? No, I take none. But you know, niacin being the exception. But we've kind of already talked about that. But but again, for the most part, I don't you know I don't talk about a lot of things 
um, from from at least a secretagogue style standpoint. Um, not because uh, I don't think it has benefit. The question would be: Could number one, could I do it long term? Possibly. Um, do I think that it that it would ever supplant any of the things that I already do? Probably not. Uh, and again, so that's that's kind of where you're making your trade off. You know, it's like, uh, well, what's going to be the best for whatever physio uh, physiologic style uh, you know offering exists for you? Uh, and again, I've already encouraged people to do to do blood work. Uh, as, yeah. as, as frequent as they can, really, to kind of understand everything. Yeah, and the good thing is that, as as you've told me, there are labs online that are, are relatively inexpensive, where you can get stuff done, you know, cheap. And uh, you know, we will have a show soon with Dana, actually going over my labs, uh, where people can actually sit down and take notes and understand how to read their own labs. Actually, be a great educational piece. Um, but you know, Dana, quick thing on coffee. It turns out, and again, um, I like to admit I'm wrong as much as I can. It probably helps me. I think I was wrong about coffee because uh, um, what I've been reading recently is that some of the acids in coffee, like uh, I think it's elagic acid or whatever are, are pretty health promoting. Um, it seems like coffee or caffeine specifically elevates, preferentially elevates adrenaline and not necessarily cortisol. So as a fat loss agent, it seems like, uh, you know, morning coffee without any calories in it, of course, may be something advantageous for those who want to lose weight. And I just want to see what you uh, think about that. Yeah, coffee is interesting. Uh, I, you know, I, yeah. you know, I think that, 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 that you, you take the risk for the benefits for it. It's, it's one of those things that certainly can elevate blood pressure, certainly can elevate heart rate, certainly can do a lot of those sympathomimetic items um, that we oftentimes talk about with any stimulant. But at the same time, there's, there, there has been a lot of positive. There has been some very, very mild thermogenic effect. Um, there has been an extra uh, purported caloric burn. Um, whether or not that actually translates, some, you know, sometimes into into result, whatever result it is you're looking for. Well, there's been some studies to suggest quite the contrary. Actually, um, I wish I could quote them off the top of my head. I can't. Um, but we have had some discussion. Uh, I think it was on the uh, when I was formulating products for man sports. Um, that was uh, when we had actually gotten big into this, and I had found a couple studies that, that did kind of illustrate that there was no effect. However, that's kind of shifting itself. There's some, some studies, and again, always look at who's uh, funding. I think we had this discussion at one point on one of your shows. Um, you know, look at who's funding your, 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 your data as well. I mean, if Starbucks is funding a study, grand scheme, yeah. we know what the end result is likely going to be. Yeah. Um, and such is going to be the case with any, you know, pharmaceutication, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, but I have no issue with, 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 with various funding sources and things like that. Uh, so, so again, I think there are positives. I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's risks, there's benefits. Um, they just have to be weighed out and how this, how that essentially fits. Someone who's uh, caffeine naive, I don't think that person exists in this society. But someone that would be caffeine naive might not be the best individual to, you know, say, okay, well, all of a sudden, you know, let's go from zero to three grams of caffeine, um, you know, pre-workout. Uh, you know, certainly there's some risk level associated with that. But no, I mean, we have plenty of uh, stimulatory and central nervous system positives uh, associated with, with caffeine ingestion acutely and chronic-wise um, that I think are certainly, certainly beneficial. Uh, I oftentimes joke with my wife because she needs so much stuff in her coffee, um, whether that be cream, sugar, et cetera, whatever, yeah. all the extra stuff, um, don't negate the positives. Uh, and, and that's always the trick, you know, it's just something as simple as green tea for, for Pete's sake. 
you know, yeah, we can always talk about the benefits, the, the, the wonderful antioxidant benefits and so forth, but green tea has some, you know, some case reports where it's actually hepatotoxic. So, you know, there are, there's, there's always positives and negatives, and I think you just have to rule them out, and, and really what you're trying to achieve has to be understood. I think oftentimes people take, you know, everything with the, with the hopes that it's going to do something. But there's this, you know, there's this sort of this Ill, ill-conceived notion of what they're trying to accomplish with said agent. I don't know that it's always uh, well understood by everybody before they actually start taking various things. And I think that's where you know more education and so forth is, is certainly going to be beneficial. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Actually, we're just about out of time. Uh, we got to get you back on soon. So hopefully, I'm going to pester you, uh, you know, up the yin yang <laughs> to get you back on again because it's been too long. And uh, you know, our listeners miss you. We've had a few people ask me on Facebook when you're going to get Dana on again. So you've definitely developed a little following here. And I think uh, we have a lot. We even need to talk about um, deaspartic acid and testosterone free test and the lab results. So we have a lot more to talk about, Dana. Uh, can you promise now that we got you on the air? Can you give me your word? You come back on soon. Oh, yeah, sure. Sir, as, soon as, as soon as you'll have me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So listen, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on here and we'll get you back on soon. And once again, I want to thank you listeners for uh, tuning in. This has been Quantum Physiques on RX Muscle. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned next week for a riveting story on Gaspari protein. You're not going to believe this one about how Gaspari protein is not what it's so said to be. Uh, stay tuned next week. Thanks a lot for checking in. Bye-bye. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques.